Hey Gate family, good morning. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us from wherever you're at. And uh, thanks so much to the worship team. Uh, those guys are absolutely phenomenal. I tell you what, I know that if you're like me, you can't wait to be back together all in the same room again with this worship team and just with your brothers and sisters. And before I jump into the word this morning, I want to take a few minutes just to take up our offering. I want to thank you guys, first of all, so much for continuing just to stay connected, staying generous and giving your offerings to the church, even though you're not in the building. I'm just super honored and blessed that you guys are continuing to give. And I wanted to read a scripture this morning from uh, Proverbs and it's Actually, a few different scriptures. First is going to be Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, some translations say possessions, and with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your possessions. What does that mean? It means how you steward things. It means how you manage things. Honor the Lord with how you manage what he's already given you. And then it goes on. It says, Honor the Lord with your first fruits. When this is being written, it's a little different than today. We're not farmers. And so uh, our, our first fruits is the income of what God has blessed us with. And what does it mean to honor him with your first fruits? Why not use your first fruits for your family and then give to God after that? I think that's kind of the point is that the Bible says that faith pleases God. When you give to God from your first fruits, you're actually making a statement of faith that I believe that there will still be enough for me and my family after I give to you. That means that as I give you my first fruits, my first crops, that he'll provide more crops and he'll provide more fruits. And it's a statement of faith. And when we go on from there, if we flip over just a couple more chapters, it says in Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 10, we, we find the response to that verse where it says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. I want you to think about that for a moment. When the righteous prosper, there are shouts of joy. What does that mean? That means when you and I are living from a place of prosperity, we actually bring joy to our city. My wife was for years, uh, before we were married actually, she was a waitress. And unfortunately, the one day of the week that many waiters and waitresses don't look forward to is Sundays because they know when so many of the church folks come in, they don't get good tips. We're not known for being the people that are extremely generous. But what the scripture is saying, as we, as we steward our possessions well, as we give from the top, not from the end, as we make that statement of faith, Lord, I believe that you will provide for the rest of my needs. The answer comes in Proverbs 11.10 where it says that you will actually live in a place from prosperity that brings your city joy. What would it look like if the church was bringing financial joy to the cities? That's what we are called to do. We are called to be in a place where we bring joy to the city. It's extremely selfish to not ask for more because people are relying on us as children of God to be prosperous, as us to be a people that are rooted into a economy that's not connected to the earth right now. And so I just wanna encourage you guys as you give this morning, let's give from a place of faith. Go beyond what's normal, go beyond what feels okay, even go beyond what feels safe and step into the place of actually having faith in your giving. Right now, they're actually gonna put up on the screen, they're gonna put up a, a slide that's gonna show you if you're gonna give by text, or if you want to give uh, online, you can go to www.tgc.give or tgcgive.com. Always get that wrong. 
or on the screen, there's also an address where you can mail in a check. And so, uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for this house. I thank you for this family, this tribe that you've brought together, Lord. I can't wait till we get to be back together. And Father, I pray that as we lean into just that place of giving from our first fruits, of giving from a place of security in you, that Lord, as you promise, even in this passage, that you will create in us a people that brings joy to our city, that brings joy to our families, that brings joy to our homes. Lord, I pray over every home. I pray over everyone watching this this morning that their homes would be filled with your presence and your peace, Lord, that prosperity would chase down the children of God and they would have no lack, they would have no needs, but Lord, they would experience everything that they need is fulfilled in you. Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Gate family. Uh, miss you guys so much, man. I cannot wait until we get to be together again uh, this this distance. Uh, although uh, we are connected in the spirit, I really like seeing your faces too. And so I can't wait to get back together. We're going to let you know as things continue to unfold. It looks like that uh, in the near future, they're going to be releasing a lot of these or lifting off some of these restrictions. So hopefully we'll be coming back together in the near future. But uh, thanks for jumping on the stream this morning. And I uh, just want to share some things with you guys that have been extremely helpful to me through this process of um, not just this quarantine, but just in life of when we go through different trials and we go through different challenges. And really, it's all about promises. Um, we are people of promises. As believers, we, uh, we came into covenant with the Lord it's a promise. Even if we look back and through some of the old covenants, we look back to the covenant made with Abram. And uh, when the Lord came to him and came to a man that had no children, couldn't have children, and said, uh, hey, Abram, you are going to have descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky. And I think about promises like that. And, and really, if it's amazing because you think about we are still seeing to this day that promise being um we're experiencing it still. All the different people that are coming into the kingdom, they're all still a part of that promise that was made many, many years ago. And so we are people of promises, but I want to kind of paint promises a little bit different this morning in the fact that I think so often we look at promises from a perspective of, uh, I've had a rough week and I need to get to the church just because, man, I, I need a promise. I need something to hang on to. And so often we look at promises through a um, a, a, a short game. When I actually think that promises in the kingdom of God are, are <laughs> when I say long term, they don't die. They are never ending. Promises given by God live forever. And that's a complete change when you think about the topic of promises because they're much bigger than you. They're much bigger than just your needs or your lack of in that moment. And I want to look at these promises from a, a kingdom perspective because they're bigger than just the moment. They're bigger than just the week. They're bigger than just the year. They're actually something that is meant to be released into your kids, into your grandkids, and they're meant to carry on through generations. They don't die. And I don't know about you, but that puts in my heart a desire for the promises of the Lord. Like I pursue promises. I want promises. I am a, I am a promise junkie. Like I can't get enough of God's promises over my life. And I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the things that if we aren't careful, they can even rob us of getting the promises in our life that God has um, ordained for us. And 
over the years, one of the things that I've seen is I've seen this um, this mindset that comes through the church, and I would almost call it like a false humility. And what it does is it's really insecurity. So often, um, just like fear will masquerade as wisdom, insecurity will masquerade as humility. A lot of people will try to speak into your life that they they have almost like this form of humility, but it's really not humility. What it is is so often it's insecurity. And because of their insecurities, it stops them from pursuing the more. And so because of that, they call it humility, but really it's rooted in fear. Everything is rooted in the world of fear or in the root world of love. And people that are driven by these insecurities, uh, people, when we find ourselves with these insecurities in our lives, what happens is, is it's so easy to begin to turn off from wanting the promises of God. Um, I've, I've met people that things have happened and um, they don't even want to be a part of the prophetic ministry anymore. They believe that the only way the Lord can speak to you is through the, wit the written word is they'll say that he already wrote everything down. He's inspired the word of God and it's done. And I do believe with all my heart that the word of God is the inspired word of God, that it was spoken through the Father, it was spoken to us, it lives forever. But it's not the only way in which he speaks to us. God will speak to us in so many different ways. I could do a whole sermon on just how he speaks to us through community, how he speaks to us through the prophetic ministry, how he speaks to us through dreams and visions. And God is constantly looking for another way to invite you into more promises. He's such a good dad. He's always looking for ways to give you more promises. And what's happened is, is through so many people being hurt, um, I find often if I were to go back and go through the trail of what happened, Maybe they went to get healed for something and they didn't get healed. And then they, they decided they don't believe in healing anymore. Maybe they got a prophetic word that was a little bit off. Or maybe they thought the timing was different. And it caused a lot of friction between them and a spouse or something like that. And what happens is, is we begin to step back from wanting the promises of God. But the problem is, is that those promises are what we set our eyes on that take us through so many of the trials and these different tribulations that we go through. And God's promises, they carry life, but they shouldn't just carry life to you, the person receiving it. The thing is, is that God's promises carry life to my entire heritage that is to come. It has carried life through the generations before me, which is a crazy thought if you think about it, that you are actually walking in a place and experiencing life from promises that were given to those that went before you. But there's a lot of importance on promises. I mean, I meet some people that will, again, in a, I believe in a false sense of humility, will, will say, I, you know, I'm not chasing after promises from the Lord or, you know, it's uh, almost presented as arrogance to, if you want a large promise from God, that's arrogant, you know? And it creates something where people almost feel uncomfortable to go after it. But listen, I realize when I get huge words from the Lord, when I get these massive words, these massive promises from God, they're not just for John. They're for my wife, Tiffany. They're for my son, Ethan and Mackenzie and Adeline and their children. These promises will actually become the lifeline of the generations that come after me. And so, man, I go for the promises. I want big promises. I mean, I, I, I'm constantly pursuing them. 
because they're filled with hope. They're filled with life. They're, they're filled with joy, peace, encouragement, edification. They're all there for us. And I want to read a couple scriptures to you this morning. Uh, first one's going to be from 2 Corinthians. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation, so it's a little different than yours. If you're not, you can probably even just grab your phone and follow along there if you'd like. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse uh, 20 says this. It says, um, For all God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in Him, and His yes and our amen ascend to God. We bring Him glory. Listen, this is a great setup. I want you to follow along with this. God speaks promises over you that are filled with life. I mean, His promises, I love that it says God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. His promises over you are yes. I mean, if I can think of one really, really good word to say, <laughs> what is God saying over you? He's saying yes. And it's saying here, it says that his promises find their yes of fulfillment in him and his yes and our amen bring him glory. This is, this is pretty good stuff because, uh, <laughs> The, the idea that God is looking at you and he's saying promises, he's saying yes, yes. What is our responsibility? We have to come in and we have to partner and agree with him and say, amen, yes, I agree, that's great. And so there's, a, there's something that happens though when his yes comes into connection with our amen and it actually just releases glory to God. And this is so cool because I think so often we just come in with this mindset of, Lord, I just, how can I give you more glory? I wanna give you more glory. One of the ways that you give God glory is by saying yes to his promises, saying amen to his promises. And this is important because this whole idea of looking at the promise bigger than you, looking at the promise bigger than your situation, bigger than what your tribulation is or your trial that you're facing right now. But looking at these promises are things that are gonna go on through the rest of our family line. Uh, this is a big deal. And there's a lot of things that fight against it. One of the things we talked about that fights against getting promises is insecurities insecurities that call themselves humility. Another would be fear, that it often calls itself wisdom. And another one would be a belief that has come into the church that I really don't, I don't think I've ever talked about before from the sermon, from the pulpit, but it's end times beliefs. And uh, it's a topic that for many people, it's really sensitive to talk about end times. It's sensitive to talk about what we call eschatology. But uh, I feel the grace from the Lord to actually talk about it a little bit this morning. Um, I grew up, and many of you grew up in the church where you believe that one day that uh, the Lord is just going to come and He's going to whoosh, suck us all away. You know, we're going to, our shoes are going to get left on the ground. And then, you know, jets are going to crash and buses are going to crash and cars are going to crash and everyone's going to be gone. And then the enemy is going to get to take over. And then we're going to go through this terrible time. And, uh, Listen, this has brought so much fear into the church, but even more, it's also brought in the idea that I can't believe for something too far down the road because I'm always thinking I'm about to be raptured away. And 
I, if you want to, if you want to hang on to that belief, listen, that's fine with me, but I encourage you that whatever your end time belief is, whatever your eschatology is, it can't have fear and it has to have a long vision. Because if you can't have those, I don't believe it's kingdom. God is going to come back one day. He's going to come back for a glorious church. He's going to come back for a glorious bride. He's not going to come back and steal us all away and leave the world to rot. That's not his heart. That doesn't sound like a good father. And the problem with how we buy into these teachings and how we have locked into these different beliefs is that we can't believe beyond our generation. If you are constantly believing the Lord is about to return, the Lord is about to return, how can we have faith for the generations to come? How can we have faith for a glorious church? It's hard to have both. It's like believing that God makes you sick and at the same time that I have to pray that God will heal you. It's hard to believe that God will heal you if you believe he's the one making you sick. And so it's hard for us to have uh, a lot of faith and a glorious future for the bride of Christ if we also believe that uh, it's just going to get worse so he can return. And I could give you guys stories that would break your heart of people that um, have made life-altering decisions because of this. I've, I've heard stories, very first-hand account stories of mothers who had medical procedures that were done just so they couldn't have children because they believed that they they didn't want to have kids and then they would have to live through uh, these end times and tribulations and all of that. And they actually gave up being a mother because of fear. I know pastors personally that never even put money away for retirement because they had believed that the return of the Lord would happen before they retire. And what happened? They were robbed from so much of what the Lord wants to give them. And, and I, I think it's hard if we're not careful that we can lock into teachings and beliefs. And what am I challenging you on this morning? I'm challenging you that if anything you believe has fear in it, and it doesn't include long-term long promises and a glorious church, I challenge that. I encourage you to challenge that because that's what God has called us to be. And uh, this, this, this topic of promises, uh, we're in, a, we're in a tough time right now. We're in a time where uh, the country is shut down. You may be watching this later after all this is over, but if you're watching it live, uh, we're in the middle of this season where nothing like this has ever happened. The country has been shut down. Your normal went out the window. Uh, mothers that are stay-at-home moms, or uh, not stay-at-home moms, their kids are now at home. They're working from home. You're trying to work. You're trying to do all this stuff with your kids. The family dynamics just completely got uh, all mixed up. It's challenging. Some of you may not have a family. Maybe you feel more lonely. And uh, I have found myself, if you know me, I am a, I'm a people person. I love being around people. Um, uh, it's, it's a challenge for me to feel somewhat secluded from so many people. It's a challenge for the introverts because the introverts find their refreshing when they are alone and especially introverts that are moms because now they don't have any time that they are alone. And so here's the thing though, if you haven't went back and reviewed promises over your life during this time of just, um, just call it what you want, this, this trial that we're going through. Listen, I have constantly went back and I have reviewed the promises that God has over me. I have went back and I've read, I've actually got notes on my phone where it's called um, 
prophetic words, dreams, and visions. Um, and I've got this note where it goes on all my devices and it has just a list of all the different words over myself, over the church, over my family, dreams people have had, visions. Anytime someone sends me an email with one, I put it into this, uh, this notes and I've constantly reviewed them because that is what I anchor into is the promises of God. And they're meant to bring life. They're meant to release life. We are a people of promises. And the reality is, is that we don't get a free pass on uh, all the trials. Matter of fact, um, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to James chapter, uh, James chapter one. It's a passage that most of us are pretty familiar with, but in James chapter one, uh, we'll start at verse two. Again, I'm reading in the passion. It says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, Sounds uh, for many of us a little bit like what we're going through right now. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Think about that. When it looks and feels like it is the greatest difficulty that you have ever been through, look and really see the invitation into the, the greatest joy that you've ever experienced. Verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. Let's break this passage down a little bit. Um, what's this passage saying? The fruit, of, the fruit of navigating trials in life <laughs> is that you will lack nothing. I know that I want you to think about this because often we do preach and which is true that as believers, you lack nothing, you have everything. But the thing we have to understand about the kingdom of God that I think is really easy to get away from is that it is a partnership. And God has made clear here in, in this passage, he says, listen, you're going to face difficulties. You're going to face trials. If you really look hard, you're going to see some of the greatest joy that you've ever seen in the middle of them. And if you will endure through them, if you will challenge, if you will get through them, then you are going to experience a lifestyle that lacks nothing. We are, hand, we are handed trials in life every, every week, honestly, sometimes every day. Uh, trials sometimes look like situations with our kids situations with our spouses, with our parents, with our siblings, uh, with our work, maybe with your church. Listen, we know that we always have issues, even in the house of God. Trials, they find you all over the place. What is the fruit of you enduring those? It is that you will experience lacking nothing. Why do you think that the enemy tries so hard to get you to duck out of trials when the heat gets raised up and when things get churned up and it starts to get hot that the enemy's intention is to get you to escape because he knows that if he can get you to escape the trials, if he knows that if he can get you to escape the challenges that you're facing, you won't get to experience the fruit of them which is lacking nothing. And, and a believer that is lacking nothing and truly walking in that reality scares the kingdom of darkness. And the thing that we have to understand is that uh, Jesus was perfect theology. 
Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father. Jesus had trials. And the idea that maturity or the lack of, uh, how do I say this? Maturity or the lack of doesn't determine our trials. Our trials determine maturity or lack of. I'm going to say that again. Many of us think that being mature or being not mature is going to determine if we have trials. But I'd like to propose to you that having trials is going to determine maturity or lack of. The goal is not to be without trials in life. I, I hate to tell you, if you are looking for the day when you don't have any more trials, um, <laughs> unfortunately, somebody lied to you because you will never be in a place where you have no trials. Even Jesus said it. He's like, listen, you're, you're not going to get out of trials. The goal is not to not have trials. The goal is to mature because as you mature, when more trials come along, you face them differently. And so we're not trying to get around trials. We're trying to go through them and we're trying to overcome them. And many people even confuse maturity with age. And, and it's as if I've gotten older and I've matured. And I would really like to propose to you guys that um, maturity, listen, if you're young, if you're a teenager watching this, you're going through trials already. And you have the opportunity to begin stepping into maturity right up front. Um, I'm going to read on in a minute because uh, it also says in that passage, I believe it's in the very next piece of scripture, it says, um, and then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection in every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you. These are these are promises right here. He's saying, listen, if you get through it, you'll become even stronger. And then if you want wisdom, ask for it. Just ask for it and he will give it to you. Maturity is not connected to um, just being older. I've met 20 year, I've met 20 year olds that are more mature than 50 year olds at times because they have went through some serious trials in their life and they have anchored themselves in the Lord and they've endured them and they have overcome them. And I want to challenge you this morning that don't try to find a way around them. Let the Lord bring you through them. Let him take you through them to the other side. And I want to take this and I, I want to bring it back around to the peace on promises because God gives us these promises. And, and, and I want you to imagine if you're here and your promise is over there. It's, <laughs> I think sometimes we've all probably seen uh, some of the little graphics on Facebook that say, you know, when God told me he was taking me there, um, it looked like it was going to just kind of be a straight shot across. And then, you know, it was like up and down and across and all that. And the journey was absolutely completely different than what we thought it would be. But every promise has a obstacle course between us and stepping into the fullness of that promise. But I want to present it to you a little bit differently. I believe that for us to step into a new promise, it's going to require a new level of maturity in our life. Um, God is too good to put you into the fullness of a promise that you're not mature enough for. Um, a 12-year-old is probably not mature enough to step into the promise of a marriage. <laughs> it's not going to work well. They're not in the kind of and they're not in that place where they can handle the commitment. They can handle the weight and the responsibilities that comes with that life. And God has set these amazing promises in front of you. I, I remember when I 
before I even stepped in and started leading this church so often, um, I probably thought I was a lot farther along than I was. And then you begin to go through this obstacle course of trying to lead a church, which let me tell you, it is a constant obstacle course. I love people so much, but leading a church is an obstacle course. And I think that if I look back, I probably thought I would have gotten through it a lot easier than I have. And it's constantly going through these obstacles. But here's the thing I want you to understand that as you go through those trials, first of all, you need to understand that God isn't this, he isn't this judge that's sitting in a booth far away like someone who's judging a, um, a competition and then he just gives you your scores and says, uh, you know, you're good or you're not good. God is, I want you to see God that he is actually running the course with you guys. I want you to see him more as a father. Imagine like uh, we've all we've all seen many cases where um, maybe there's an Olympic athlete that their father is also their coach. And I always love watching these combinations because you can see the, the father or the mother that is watching them, going with them. They're feeling what they're feeling. God isn't some distant judge that's just watching to see if you make it. He's going through you with you. He's handing you a bottle of water. He's handing you the towel. He's, he's constantly speaking edification and encouragement into you saying that you've got this. Keep going. Keep going. He is such a good father. And he's right there with you. But he knows that for you to step into the fullness of the promise that he's invited you into, that it requires a maturity at that level. And so don't buy into the lie that God is the one that's created the obstacle course. There may be things and there may not be things that he put in there, but be careful not to believe that God is the author of everything because then it's really hard to believe that he's for you if you feel like he's the one attacking you. And so be cautious with that. But God is that good that he can leverage this obstacle course in your life and that he can use it to actually bring you into a place that James, like James said that passage, that listen, count it off. Like he said, that you, you endure through this. And if you will, there's an opportunity in it for joy. And then there's an opportunity for you to step into all things, for you to step into the fullness of what he has for you. And so he's there, he's waiting for you. He's, he's, he's going with you. He is encouraging you. And I just want to, I felt just something in my spirit to encourage you guys this morning that um, last week I started feeling, um, and I'm keeping an eye on my time here. Last week I started feeling a little bit of discouragement and I really had to begin to anchor into promises because I could feel the enemy trying to just come in with that heavy cloud of, of frustration and and all these different things he was saying into my ear and I just kept coming back to the promises of the Lord over my life. I kept coming back to the promises that he's extended to me. And I wanna encourage you guys, listen, the promises that are there, they remain, they live and they're so powerful and you need to hold on to those. Speak them out, rehearse them, imagine them. Talk about them. Talk about them out loud. That's some of the things I began to do. Don't just talk about them up here. Talk with your family members. If you don't have someone you can talk to in the family, call someone up in, in your family in the church and talk with the promises because that's what's going to anchor you into what God has for you. And so we want to step back into his promises. We want to stay there in his promises. We need to understand that he's with us and that he wants to see us overcome. And so 
Here in a moment, what I want to do is I actually want to take some time to pray over you guys this morning. And I want you just to receive just the encouragement from the Lord. I feel just such joy on this sermon this morning. Um, and so just take it for your household, for your family. So Lord, I just thank you, God, for everyone who is joining with us this morning. Father, I pray that you would just infuse them with hope, infuse them with joy, infuse them with courage, Lord. I pray that you would remind them of the promises that have been given to them, Father, and those that have found themselves in this obstacle course of life right now, that, Lord, you would make them aware of how close you are, how near you are to them, God, that you aren't some distant judge from afar that's just uh, judging us, but, Lord, you are actually a kind father who's running with us. You're coaching us along. You are, you're edifying us. So Lord, over everyone right now that is feeling a little bit heavy or maybe just, uh, maybe a little bit of unsureness, Lord, I pray that your presence would fill their homes, would fill their families. And that, Lord, I just pray for just an explosion of joy right now, God, an explosion of joy over every person watching this, that, God, that they would feel your presence. Man, I feel it right now, even praying, that, that you would just, uh, just that the presence of the Lord would fill every home, God. We love you so much. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So make sure if you guys are watching this, Every week we've been doing something where after the sermon, our friends AJ and Annie Osberg, they start a separate broadcast and they're going to jump online here in just a moment and they're going to begin to pray over you guys. And so if there's anything that you want people to pray for you over, get on to the next broadcast and just jump on and ask them to pray for you. They'll prophesy over you. And I think it will just really encourage you guys. So I hope that we get to see you in person really soon, but uh, we'll definitely see you online. So uh, have a great week and bless you guys.